Yeah, it's, you know, you're sitting there and you're saying you're watching it, but it's really background noise, right? Being able to make enough money to, to you know, live your life uh, on your own terms is the dream. Um, and I don't think there's any better proven way of doing that. Welcome to the Media Jungle Video Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Regeer, coming to you every week to break down the business behind the news industry, the future of media, and the creator economy. Subscribe to our Substract newsletter and YouTube channel, and don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you like this show. We appreciate your support. In this episode, we have Tobias Heeslip, founder of Trading TV, a retail trading platform for financial content creators, sort of like a Twitch meets Robin Hood. We're going to talk about this particular niche, his entrepreneurial journey, and why he thinks people will flock to trading TV over Bloomberg or MSNBC. Hope you enjoy. Tobias, so you started as a in, in hedge funds and investment banking. Tell us about that kind of journey from that world to startup entrepreneur? My journey actually started back in college when I sort of haphazardly stumbled into a, uh, a speech that a very prominent hedge fund manager was giving at Cox School of Business at SMU, uh, where I went to college. And it was 2008, and I'm, I will never forget it. It was just this most fiery speech that was basically telling all of us how screwed we were and how the world was ending. And this guy had the global financial crisis nailed, and he was talking about you know, mortgage defaults and all this stuff that I had no idea what it was, but I was just so impacted by, you know, his, the veracity of his speech that I went up to him afterwards and basically said, Hey man, um, I have no idea what you just said, but I would love to intern for you. I'll do it for free. <laughs> I'll do it for free. Just like, let me start working. So that ended up leading to an internship at, uh, at one of the funds in Dallas that he had given some money to as a seed investment. And I actually started my trading journey in college. So all the way through college, I was working a couple days a week at a small hedge fund down there. Ended up turning that into an internship in New York at Goldman Sachs. And I started full-time at Morgan Stanley. And when I started at Morgan Stanley, it was an unbelievable time to come into the industry because social media was just becoming this investable asset class. So the firm was taking companies like Facebook and Groupon and Pandora and Snapchat, like everything was going public and no one on the trading desk was under the age of 40 and really understood these businesses and knew anything about them. In fact, most people were extremely bearish on them because Friendster had come and gone and MySpace had come and gone. So like the prevailing narrative in the industry was that social media was this flash in a pan thing. So when I raised my hand and asked to cover these stocks from an analyst standpoint, they gave them to me expecting the, the industry to kind of blow up and for me to learn my first tough lesson on Wall Street. I was fortunate that that didn't happen. I've been, been focused on social media investing ever since. Went to a hedge fund uh, called Oxif, where I was focused on social media, fintech, consumer-oriented internet and payments, which got me into crypto. And then I ran the desk at uh, Barclays for about five years. Oh, wow. So you, you definitely know the social media space. Now you're starting a social media uh, meets financial retail trading platform like Twitch meets Robin Hood. Uh, you think all of that, those experiences, how, what are the big challenges for you transitioning from the analyst to the uh, 
leading a team and being an entrepreneur? The idea actually came about organically when I was doing research on what the next big trend was going to be in 2020 and beyond. So this is pre-pandemic. Um, and we were really just diving deep into creator economy, a retail trading revolution. And these things stood out to me as major secular trends, but there was nothing at the intersection of the two. So if we think about like how people have been, how consumers have been taught to behave using social media, like everything has been influenced from fashion to travel to wellness, food, everything. Um, and finance was starting to gain in popularity, but there was just such a lack of credible information that was out there. No one was really talking about these things in a way that I thought we could build a platform uh, and, and really sort of build a community around it. So I looked at uh, I looked at Twitch, I looked at YouTube, I looked at Robinhood and Coinbase, and I said, okay, well, we're going to take certain components of each one of these things, and we're going to combine them into a, in a unique way to create a segment-defining company. So that's what Trading TV is. It is a fintech love child of sort of TikTok and Twitch meets Robinhood initially, and uh, we'll be expanding into crypto, NFTs, and collectibles in the near future. So content-enabled financial services company that is all about creator economy, about community, about um, you know, trading and investing, but also sort of financial wellness as well. We cover a lot of uh, media organizations in this podcast, and so it's really cool to see this type of model where you actually have a way to make money, I guess, from trading. Like, uh, um, but, but the one thing that, that I know personally, actually, from uh, starting a startup is like the number one toughest thing is adoption. How are you going to bring enough people to your platform to make it relevant? You know, like people already enjoy Twitch. People are already on Reddit. People are on all the sub threat Reddits. Why is this something that's going to be uh, a center for their uh, trading? Well, what we're doing is completely novel and unique. It's never been done before. We created tradable videos. We created tradable live streaming. And it's an experience that our early users absolutely love. And when people love that experience, they do a lot of word of mouth marketing, which is already happening. So we're already growing. But in addition to that, we're servicing financial content creators, which no one has ever built a platform to serve before. And I think the term financial content creator for us, it's very broad because it covers people that are making content about everything from stocks and options to crypto, but also DeFi um, news that pertains to, to business technology. Um, and even, like I said, the, the collectible space, so trading cards, rare sneakers. So it's quite a large group. And these people have had a really difficult time monetizing their, their content. So some platforms like the TikToks of the world or the YouTubes of the world um, won't even allow you to be able to monetize your content if you're creating uh, content about, say, crypto or cannabis or psychedelics. So they have no monetization streams, which means that they're forced to be able to they're forced to try to push an audience from TikTok or YouTube to like a Discord server. And then you're trying to charge like a premium subscription to Discord that has a, a pretty negative impact on quality because as more people join the Discord server, it starts to become this sort of mess and like it just becomes a bunch of shit posts similar to how Wall Street bets jumped the shark in the early days of the pandemic. So creators need a way to be able to not only build an audience, but to run a business. And that's what Trading TV is servicing for them. What's the core problem with like that Discord account or, or another way to monetize? It's the percentage of people that are following you that are actually, that you're actually able to convert into paying customers. So because that system has so much friction in it, the attrition rate about getting people through the funnel is extremely, extremely high, like in the upper 90s percent. And there's a reason why Amazon became Amazon because of the one-click checkout. So 
Um, like that shouldn't be sort of like glanced over. It's a really big deal to be able to bring everything together in a holistic experience that is very seamless and as frictionless as possible, not only for the user in terms of being able to trade in the same place that they're getting the content that fuels their ideas, but for creators to be able to sell product and service. And we're starting off with subscriptions and tips and donations on the monetization side. But the thing that's also very unique about trading TV is we are a fintech platform, which means that we're making a lot of money from the trading-oriented activity and other things that have to do with with financial management. Um, And we're putting a percentage of all of that revenue into a content creator um, bonus pool, which we pay out on a monthly basis based on engagement. So we've already funded that that bonus pool with a million dollars, which is the TTV Creator Fund. Um, And we think that this model will help make creators on trading TV the highest paid creators in any industry on any platform, which is extremely exciting. So you sort of had this double kind of focus, right? You're trying to attract creators and you're also trying to attract the 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 more more important really are the traders, right? Or are they one in the same or how is that? How does that converge? They can be one in the same. So we, we do encourage people that are already having these discussions, whether it's at the bar, in the classroom, or wherever they are, they're already talking about, they're already talking about the various stocks or cryptocurrencies, things that they're invested in. So of course, if people feel like they can create high quality content, that's going to be helpful to the community. We encourage them to do it. But the model is more sort of Twitter-esque in the sense that like of your total users, there's a fairly small subset of creators. Um, we service the creators first. So that's our, our primary customer acquisition mechanism is to get creators to provide a really great experience for them. And once they start having a great experience, then they're creating content exclusively for trading TV. Users then come to the platform to view that exclusive content and also to trade. So that is, uh, that's kind of like the, the customer acquisition side. So it's a lot of video focused or it's a lot more like Discord or it's a lot more like Reddit? Or- We've also been focusing on, on short form video initially because this is kind of the medium that is resonating with the younger demographic. So we support three different types of video. It's short form video, long form video, which is more YouTube style, and then the live stream content, which is more Twitch style. Um, and the live stream will be great for what we do in the future, which is um, live stream auctions for let's say NFTs or collectibles. So that's a really um, exciting product that we hope to be able to launch later this year. I used to work at Bloomberg. I used to go into all of the trading desks of all these uh, hedge funds and stuff. They always have the Bloomberg or Emma, uh, CNBC playing all day on on mute. Um, so you're trying to sort of recreate that in one one full form, but like unmuted. What's wrong with just watching CNBC or, or Bloomberg. Financial media traditionally has been extremely boring. And that's one of the reasons why you mentioned that people just listen to it on mute. Yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, you're sitting there and you're saying you're watching it, but it's really background noise, right? So um, it's not really m- much value add if, if it's on mute. Our goal is obviously to get people to not only watch, but then to engage in the content. Just look at the guests that are on CNBC. I mean, most of them tend to be coming, they come from Wall Street. Um, which means that they have a Wall Street mentality. They're, they're definitely more akin to like speaking down to the retail trader, the retail investor. Like I feel like those type of platforms cater specifically to the professionals. And our generation, they don't want to learn from people like that. They want to learn from each other. And there's an inherent element of trust that comes from being able to just sit down and with somebody that you, that looks like you, that's in the same sort of financial circumstances, that's not trying to sell you anything, uh, and have a discussion with that person about any myriad of different financial topics. But when you were a hedge fund manager and you really had, you were being your feet to the fire, having to make decisions on this, 
you were actually looking at Reddit and Wall Street bets or those types well, of not things, in, not yeah. looking at the normal kind of ways that you look? Yeah. So that's, um, that's exactly when the light went off in my head, which is when you're sitting at an investment bank, uh, you're servicing hedge fund clients, mutual fund clients, like people that are running tens of billions, in some cases, trillions of dollars in assets. And they would ask you questions like, you know, why is this particular stock on the move if there wasn't an obvious reason? So to be able to source the answers to those questions, you would normally just call up other hedge funds or other mutual funds and you'd say, hey, is there a note that I missed? Or is there some piece of data that came out or whatever? Um, and that was a good way to be able to find answers for the first like nine or 10 years of my career. And then as Reddit and Discord and you know, some of these other forums online started to gain in popularity, that's where I started to find the answers to these questions. And I started to have a light bulb, this light bulb went off in my head where I said, wow, like these are actually very sophisticated people and Wall Street's treating them like they're idiot retail investors. They actually on Wall Street refer to retail traders as dumb money. Um, and it just simply isn't the case. Yeah, it just simply isn't the case. Um, these people are actually much closer to the action. They have their finger on the pulse, especially when it's anything consumer facing. It's less so on sort of the B2B stocks and things like that. Um, but almost all crypto is in some capacity consumer facing. Uh, a lot of tech stocks, a lot of uh, consumer goods uh, and, and, and e-commerce companies. So these were, the, these were the places I was finding the best answers. And why do you think that is? Because, uh, you know, are the people who are on these threads... Are there a lot of people who just kind of retired and moved to Tulum and are day trading and they're just building a sort of community? Or are there people who are just young and super diligent and have just learned uh, how to look at trends? Our generation is out there actually living life and using these products. And these products have now recently become tradable assets. So it's very organic to move from like a fan of uh, a particular company or their product to then starting to trade it from a financial standpoint. And when you look at like even the executives, of all these companies, like they're young people, right? I mean, a lot of people, a lot of these companies that are now worth hundreds of billions of dollars were started by kids basically that were either in college or right after college. Um, so it's not, it's not super surprising to me that young people tend to have a better read on what's going on in the world and the trends that are developing because they're the ones that are formulating them. Um, and when you, when you're the one, when you're a part of the formulation of it, it's easier to get in to the investment before it kind of makes its way to Wall Street. And I think that's probably more true with regard to crypto than it was with traditional equity. What's your kind of target age range for Trade TV? Our demographic right now is primarily 18 to 34, but we're really looking into servicing the teen market. Our belief, like our, our fundamental belief is that trading and investing isn't just the best way to achieve financial freedom, but for the vast majority of people, unless you inherit it, unless you're lucky enough to inherit wealth, it's the only way to achieve financial freedom. So getting people involved in that journey as young as possible is critical towards being able to close the wealth gap in America. So if we can, if we can service teenagers, high school students, if we can get these people to start making better financial decisions earlier in their life, then hopefully they're in a position where they can actually live life on their own terms much before, like, let's say 65 and trying to collect social security or some crazy thing like that. I don't see that as like a, a way necessarily for financial freedom is like starting to trade. I mean, it almost when I when I hear that, I almost feel like uh, kids are going to lose their whatever money they have. Like, you think that's really good that some people start when they're that young? 
Absolutely. It's proven like the data would suggest that the earlier you start investing, the better you are financially uh, in life. So if you don't get started, the later it, it is before you get started, the more you have to contribute to your portfolio on a monthly basis just to be able to make up for all the time that you missed. Sometimes it is day trading, but oftentimes it's a long-term buy and hold solution. But mostly it's about just educating yourself on the tools that are available to you. And then we actually provide those tools on the exact same platform for super convenience. But we want people to get over this hurdle of saying, hey, uh, I'm not going to be invested because it's too scary. It's too ominous. And because I don't know enough about it, like we can solve those problems through entertaining financial content and education. And yes, like totally believe that the earlier you start in that process, the better you're going to be. And what do you feel about the critics of Robin Hood and, and what happened over the pandemic where they stopped the trades? Then people realized, oh, they make money elsewhere. They give out the trading tools for free, but they make money with the big hedge funds. What do you think about all that? And and is that a way that you're also going to make money selling uh, data? Well, I obviously started a platform to compete directly with Robinhood. So I think there's a much better way to, to do what they ultimately are doing, which is providing a retail trading service. But in terms of what they've been able to accomplish inception to date, they got 20 million people involved in financial markets for the first time that probably otherwise would never have been involved in financial markets. And they took um, a, an industry standard, which was a $5 equity trade. So basically you had to pay $5 for every trade that you made um, down to zero. So that is without a doubt, a massive benefit to the net user. So uh, to the end user. So how did they accomplish that? They're doing it through payment for order flow. And if you look at the data, it would, it would definitely um, confirm that this is the best way for retail trading to, to happen. It's free for the user. Um, it ends up being more liquidity, tighter spreads, and it doesn't take like a large portion of what should be allocated to the asset to pay the commission. So if you think about the average user having something in the neighborhood of under a hundred dollar ticket size, which means every order that they're placing is for a hundred dollars or less using the $5 commission number, the $5 commission fee that was the past, you're paying 5% of your trade just to get into it. And then you'd also have to pay 5% to get out. There's not a single person on the planet who can trade well enough under that structure to be able to make money. So now we've moved to a payment for order flow model where you have more liquidity, lower fees, there's zero. Um, and that's a good thing for, for end users. So that's the model that we employ as well. So then on top of that, so you're doing that and you're kind of creating markets through different partners, right? That would be a way to explain it. Exactly. So on the social side, it is subscriptions, tipping, um, and then there will be some, but very few, but, but some ads that are in there. We're actually trying to build the platform in a way that we can be long-term successful in an ad-free environment. So that's, that is the goal. Um, and yeah, for creators on the tipping side of things, we don't take anything at all on the subscriptions. We take a small fee. Um, and then we're also going to build a platform that enables creators to monetize through NFT sales, token launches, all the sort of web three tools to be able to actually supercharge a creator's earnings ability. And then to your point, we also make money on the fintech side as well. So every time someone trades a stock, a cryptocurrency, an NFT, anything on platform, we are making money there. And then again, we take a percentage of all fintech oriented revenue and we pay it back to the creators in the community, which this is the way that they're going to really start to make a, a ton of money is as we grow and as total traded volume on our platform grows, the bonuses that are paid out to creators on a monthly basis are going to get very big, very quickly. We're the world's first um, content enabled financial services company. Like we're, we're servicing a massive public need by educating and entertaining people. 
Um, we're a community focused platform. So like the entire thing doesn't work unless we have great content, great creators, um, and, and engaged audiences. And the financial services tools which we provide are really just closing the loop. And so you think people will come for the content and then yeah. start using the tool? So it's all about creating compelling content or actionable market moving insights so that people come and watch it and then they start saying, yeah, I might as well trade on this platform instead of Robinhood. Yeah, well, it's not just um, it's not just like ideas. It's also news. Um, there's educational content on there. Like there's a video that's uploaded today about, you know, what is a 401k? Um, and, and what should I be doing in this, you know, like is for, should I be maxing out my 401k? Why? Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on about people that are struggling to be able to find affordable housing right now. So there's creators that are talking about ways that you can, you can finance your home because I think everyone's experiencing difficulty in trying to buy a home and as interest rates go up and sort of you know, the feds tightening things, it may be harder to, to get a traditional mortgage. So looking at alternative ways of, of financing. So really what we want to be is, is the centralized platform for financial content across the board. So not just trade ideas, but also educational content that can help people and the things that they struggle with in their everyday lives, how to save, how to set up and save for uh, your child's um, college fund or, um, you know, how to buy your first car, how to get yourself out of credit card debt. All of these things are kind of prerequisites to establishing good financial hygiene before you can get started investing. And since the kind of coronavirus, everyone sort of rethought their whole life. Is this like also a play on like everyone pe wanting to live this nomadic lifestyle and day trading here and graphic design here and kind of living this double kind of or, or multiple multiple revenue stream lifestyle? 100%. During the pandemic, everybody started to realize um, the fragility of their existence when you work for a big company and how quickly they'll lay you off. Um, they, they don't really care that much about you. When things start to go, go south, you know, they're quick to lay people off in terrible circumstances like during the pandemic. So people are looking to be able to provide themselves with alternative forms of income of which trading and investing is becoming an extremely popular way of doing that. And, you know, depending on when you've gotten started, people have been able to build huge nest eggs in a very short period of time, which allows them to be digital nomads. And I think that certainly for the younger millennials and the Gen Z generations, um, being a digital nomad, having the ability to be able to work wherever you want in the world and have nothing other than a, a computer, a Wi-Fi internet connection, uh, and being able to make enough money to, to you know, live your life uh, on your own terms is the dream. Um, and I don't think there's any better proven way of doing that than investing in financial markets. Um, and sometimes it doesn't even take, you know, it takes a couple of minutes or maybe an hour a day of, of brushing up on, you know, what's going on in the market and what you should be doing. It's not like a full-time commitment. It's not something where we're telling people, you know, you need to be in front of your computer for every second of, uh, you know, the market open, uh, open to close in, in New York. Like this is something that you could be doing passively and still be really successful. Yeah. Do you have any uh, understanding of what the breakdown is in terms of geographic locations of your users so far? So right now, yes, it's 100% US because that's the only place where we uh, currently have the platform launched. But really exciting that we're getting a ton of uh, inbound sort of questions for when we're launching elsewhere. So LATAM right now is is on fire. Um, there's a lot of neo banking companies down there that are doing incredible things, introducing financial products, like basic financial products to people that never existed. I mean, the amount of people in the Latin American markets that were 
unbanked, uh, you know, previous to the last five years was truly staggering. So now that these people are starting to get their money into banks and um, internet accessibility is starting to become a more prevalent thing. They have mobile phones that allows them to be able to download apps like Trading TV. We're getting a lot of demand uh, for for the product from those from those markets and those regions because even though the American markets, uh, even though the you know, people live outside of the U.S., the American market attracts a global audience. Like people want to be invested in the companies that are here in America because they tend to be the biggest and best companies and they have global brand wide uh, global brand recognition which is something that's unique for for the uh, united states and the american stock market yeah that's why you see such a huge growth in a lot of countries around the world that have more instable kind of governments or financial markets uh really like getting attracted to crypto and bitcoin and that type of stuff as like a store of value but like they be partially also because they can't really invest in the S&P or an index fund like we can or Apple. It's sort of so you have to kind of register yourself with like the Mexican government or the Brazilian government to to offer the services there. Yeah, you either that or through partnerships. So we actually think about the expansion globally as um, probably the best way to do that is through B2B partnerships. So you take a, a company that already has an installed user base and they are either already licensed or in the process of getting licensed and you partner with them in which trading TV would be the content provider and then um, the the broker for, for their US trading operation. Um, but yeah, I think you're you hit it on the head, right? Like companies like Nike and Apple and Tesla, like people all around the world, doesn't matter whether you live in Vietnam, Colombia, India, like you've heard about those companies. Whereas the demand from US based investors to invest outside of the United States is still pretty small. I mean, there's, if I asked you, you know, what the number one uh, company in India was right now, like you probably wouldn't know off the top of your head or France or Italy, right? Um, but if you ask any of those people in those countries with the number one company in America is like, they're going to know that it's Apple or Amazon. But I, and I think, you know, as we get down, as we get further down the road, um, you know, those opportunities existing. So people outside the United States to be able to invest in, in us based companies is, is unlocking a lot of potential value for them. It's uh, great to see kind of, it's, it's a really exciting time for you. I, I'm sure, you know, and it's great to see sort of, uh, a business model where you're truly connecting the content creation and the content creator with an actual business model that's outside of advertising and outside of all these things that fluctuate all the time. So uh, it seems like a really interesting opportunity. Thanks so much for joining Media Jungle and uh, I'll uh, see you soon. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, you made it to the end of the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. By the way, we also are a video podcast where you can see extra memes, charts, visuals about the segments. So you can find that on YouTube or subscribe to our Substack newsletter for exclusive updates. And thank you so much for listening. See you next week.